0: Hey guys so Zeke and I are kind of stuck in the house we haven't seen each other and we're kind of trying to come up with new ways to keep the show going and we didn't think we were going to do this we like doing in-person interviews but hey that's the time we live in right now so a couple nights ago we got together with our friends Brett and Luke and we did a late night video chat after the kids went to bed and we recorded it hope you enjoy and before we get into that, I want to let you know this show and every show is sponsored by Cascartel.com, changing the industry standard in how you get your alcohol. And right now, that's kind of pretty convenient because they ship liquor directly to your door. Whatever you need, they have it. They are an online liquor store, it is a convenience play. You might see some stuff on there that's pretty expensive and that might not be what you need right now. You might need the stuff that you just can't go to the store and get. They will ship it directly to you, whether it's whiskey, bourbon, vodka, gin, rum. Go to cascartel.com, check it out. Follow them on Instagram. They are always doing good giveaways to their followers. They are cascartel on Instagram. They just gave away a bunch of Blanton's gold to everybody. Always a good time. They're pretty interactive. Check them out, cascartel.com and cascartel on Instagram. This show is also sponsored by the good people at distilleryproducts.com, Janie, Vicki, Carson, all the folks over there. If I haven't met you yet, I am sorry, but they are the source to go to. If you go to any distillery, once you can go to distilleries again and you say, hey, where do you get your glens? Where do you get your laser etched products? They're pretty much gonna tell you distilleryproducts.com. They have great wholesale pricing for laser etched glassware, Glen Cairns, Wee Glen Cairns, a rocks glass, a dram glass, a tipsy rocks glass, decanters, flasks, whatever it is, distilleryproducts.com has it, and they have it at great prices. So check them out at distilleryproducts.com, and now, enjoy the show. Everyone, my name is john edwards and with me is zeke baker and together we make the dad's drinking bourbon wherever you are whatever time it is thank you for making us a part of your day hi zeke what's up there big cat this is a little different for us we don't normally talk this way you're on a video screen i can see you you're not in the room with me this is not a way that we wanted to record ever in this day and, and age this is kind of the way we gotta do it right
1: the whole uh oh, what's the movie we we're talking about the other day wesley snipes um
0: oh demolition Which man the three yeah, seashells
1: exactly everything's virtual reality now
0: and speaking of virtual reality we're able to have awesome guests with us on virtual reality as well two of our favorite people we're we're good friends with we love talking to them and we figured If we're going to be in this whole social distancing thing, these are two guys we want to be in the bunker with. Brett Atlas and Luke Castle, thank you both for joining.
2: Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: There's Zeke's phone. Do you guys hear, like, (laughs) Zeke obviously brought his MacBook because his iPhone 2 could not handle video conferencing.
3: (laughs) That is sweet.
0: And do you know how loud his phone vibrates? Like, you heard it. Nobody yeah. else's phone vibrates that loud.
1: Hey, man, they don't make them like they used to.
0: <laughs> Zeke talks about his phone like people talk about houses. Like, you know, the fire rating for my house that was built in 1950s is a lot better than the one of yours that was built in 2020.
1: I talk about my phone like I talk about me.
0: What about you?
1: Don't make them like they used to.
0: How are you guys doing? What what have you both been up to? I mean, both of you have day jobs where you travel a lot. How's it actually being home?
3: I spend a lot of time on Zoom now, which is a that's a new normal for sure. I'm on Zoom calls multiple times a day now. And traveling, we used to travel a lot, haven't traveled at all uh, this month, so it's it's different. I'm getting a lot of family time in. <laughs>
2: Yeah, same. We use a ton of WebEx. Um, we use some Microsoft Teams occasionally. I'll put in a plug in for my wife's company. And, uh, you know, travel's pretty much toast at this point. A lot of calls throughout the day, you know, just trying to cope with it and make do. Get a lot of time with the family. Um, at least three times a day, I have to do the silent whisper to my kids that are open the door and want to show me the drawing they just did or the uh, puzzle they completed. So trying to do the, Double thumbs up. Nice work without interrupting the call. And I think I'm doing okay. Nobody's busted me publicly yet anyway.
0: Well, I think everybody is being very, very, very understanding because my daughter comes in and I'll be on a call. The funny thing is, is we're all doing WebEx, but they say don't do video conferencing. My daughter will come in and she'll be like, daddy, I just have to tell you something. Let me tell you something real quick. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And then I have to quickly go on mute.
3: Everybody's in the same boat. Yeah! Oh, yeah! People scurrying in and out of the screen too. There's no <laughs> yeah, avoiding it. At least, uh, you know, Castle, your kids
1: can uh show you completed projects and not get the "Where do these pieces go? What do I do now? I need help." You know, John
2: and I are both hand tied. Now they don't understand the personal boundaries. Mine are six and eight. They're pretty good. um They can entertain themselves. We put together a schedule that I think we follow at least 20 or 25% of throughout the day. Um, We try and, you know, just a matter of, uh, you know, trying to keep them occupied. I have a buddy that does some sports radio and, you know, he describes his job as a segment killer. You know, just get, he's got a two hour show. He's got these like 15 minute segments throughout, throughout that two hours that he's got to talk between commercials. That's what parenting from home is like when you're working full time and, Doing these other uh, activities at the same time
3: i Man. still get to run into the office because there's nobody there so i get the place all to myself <laughs>
2: i'm sol
1: pharmacy and closing like no no way no how like i'm gonna put a put on like a card text me your questions i'll reply just just stay back thanks
0: let's actually talk about bourbon because it's great having both you on i mean anybody who knows you guys are. Super involved from writing in bourbon to being in the Crusaders and all the money that you raise for different charities, being active in different bourbon groups. What got you guys into bourbon in the first place? We'll start with Brett and then go to Luke.
3: Long time ago, I I let's say Hell Week, my freshman year in college, 30 pledges. They they bring us up one by one. I was A, so I was one of the first. They wheel out a tray of shots. In this case, it was 91, uh, Wild Turkey 8101, you know, <laughs> take six shots, you know, everybody gets sick. A couple guys wound up in the hospital. So I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't touch it, touch it for forever after that. That, by the way, was bottom shelf swill back then. So fast forward to I, I got out of college, I, I went to law school, I started drinking Maker's Mark and Woodford and Basil Hayden and, you know, that just trying different, just some different things and, and, and kind of got into it. And then I read about, Pappy Van Winkle and I think it was GQ magazine or something like that. And, and I asked the liquor store, you know, can you get me a bottle of this? I'd love to try what a, what a premium bourbon tastes like. And I think that was back in 2009 and was able to get a bottle of that squat bottled rip was what I wound up with. And then I think that was the last time I saw it on the shelf. So uh, after that, you know, just went to a bunch of tastings, really got into it. And then a friend of mine from college, Brent Joseph uh, told me about Bourbon and Banter and said, "Oh, you know, if you, you want to write for them, uh, you can apply." So uh, I entered that and you know wrote a few articles there and then and then got in and that's how I met Luke, who's become a really good friend of mine and really solid group over there. You know, Pops does an awesome job. Met some terrific guys there who I stay in touch with all the time. And then I met uh, a couple guys in the Crusaders or bloggers, so kind of became friendly with them and talked on and off. And then They asked me to be in the group and it was a, it was a huge thrill. Uh, It's a small group. I was, you know, I loved being into it. Um, We do a lot for charities. We we do, you know, quite a few barrel picks, obviously not that many this year so far, but (laughs) it's just a great, it's a great tight knit group. I've met a lot of great people. I met you guys through this whole thing and really uh, more than anything else, I think, the charity is is huge. I love that, but the relationships mean more to me than than all the bourbon that you could possibly get. So there's always other stuff to drink, but there's some really special people in this game, and and I'm you know thrilled to have met several of them. Totally agree, Luke. What about you?
2: Yeah, similar timeframes, probably like 2010. I entertain a lot for work. My boss at the time, um, I operate a fairly sizable entertainment budget. He's like, well, what do you know about wine? And I'm like, yeah, just enough to be dangerous. And he's like, what about whiskey? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit less, but I, you know, in college, I guess I preferred a Jack and Coke versus a uh, a beer. But uh, he's like, well, you need to learn because if you're going to be taking clients out, you need to show them a good time, but stay within budget. So got me curious about why things tasted differently. You know, why one bottle of wine was different than another. And, you know, and after that always led to an after dinner drink. So why? one whiskey was different than another and just gravitated more and more to it. So I think it was about 2010, there was a group of guys here in Minneapolis that started doing a brown liquor night once a quarter, started out with a lot of scotches. And, um, you know, as we, we would do a deal where everybody brought like a $50 bottle, call it. And we try to drink six, eight, 10 different types of whiskey that night just to experiment. And I, I kept gravitating more and more towards bourbon and it was like 2011 now and uh a buddy of mine that's a wine distributor shot me a text and said hey if you're interested in trying this pappy they got some over at the store you should go get some so i shot an email to the group and i said hey you know we're meeting next week let's make it a bourbon theme and by the way they have this stuff called pappy it's supposed to be hard to get why don't we go get a bottle and try it and you could like legit we all walked into that store separately over the course of like a week and bought one of every kind of pappy of all the different varieties, and uh, we cracked them all open at the next gathering, and that kind of set me down the path of going a little crazy with it. Same thing, Bourbon & Banner put out a Help Wanted, well, I think it was about four or five years ago. I've never written anything that's been published anywhere ever, and from my job, I'm really not allowed to professionally. So I thought, what the hell, I'll give it a try. So for whatever reason, Pops must have been drunk that night. <laughs> me me, one of the guys. That, uh, Good bet. I, uh, it had to have been. Um, I go. I I read some of those early posts and just cringe how terrible they were. But uh, the new ones are much better. But they, they for sure were terrible then. But anyway, Brett and I just started chatting, and I'm in Minneapolis. He's in Omaha. We know some people in common, and I blame him. But uh, he started adding me to the old BSM and some of the uh, Facebook groups, and my uh, desire to learn the hobby just went absolutely insane and uh, my hooker exploded and now i have a problem i guess (laughs) i blame brett for all of it
0: well you guys want to know a big secret that i don't think people know but i don't think this guy will ever admit but you know i'm the one who added zeke to his first bourbon group
1: (laughs) i tell people that all the time
0: you just took it way farther than i did i mean you know zeke got into will it hard
1: I tell people my contingency is they can't add you.
0: <laughs> I know that's what you do. It is a hundred percent. What Zeke does is he goes like, Hey, I'm in this group. It's a really cool private group that does cool picks, but don't add John.
1: <laughs> um, but back to the the bourbon and banner you know, like really thank you guys both. Um, I think that's probably one of John and I's both, uh, you know, early go-to's we both be in a store looking up stuff or trying to, you know, see a new bottle. Like, all right, where can we find any information about this? Like bourbon and banner odds are the first place we go to look, try and see like, all right, is the review, should we buy this, et cetera. And that definitely kind of uh, got the gear spinning in both of our heads. So like, all right, well, what can we do to contribute here and help people out on uh, you know, making educated decisions?
0: Well, I always liked Brett's articles and Luke, this isn't a shot at you, but yeah, sure it is. is- some of the stuff that Brett did, like that Hirsch piece you did, if you think about it, there were there are people at Bourbon and Banner that are kind of your regular reporters, and then there's the columnists. And you kind of always took it a step further and really got into the deep backstory and goes back to what both of you were really saying. Is And Luke, I think you got there later on, but it's really about the, the relationships and the story behind it. That's the thing that I think we find too is it's really about knowing people like you and and knowing all the other people that we know through whiskey. It makes it that much better.
3: I appreciate you saying that. I you're right. I mean, that was that 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 article came out of a phone call I got from Ed Blag, called me up and said, You really need to talk to Gordie Hugh, and, and he's got a good story for you. And you know, that's how that whole thing happened. And you know, I've I've really enjoyed talking with different people and, you know, I'll sit on the phone for hours with them and, and uh, you know, I'll tape record it and it's just a conversation like this and it goes on and on and on and on. And then there's a story there somewhere. And you know, that, that particular one it's, it was told before. I didn't know that, but it's a great story and there's tons of them out there. And you know, I love the people that do, I love what you guys do. I'm just talking to people, getting to know people. This is really what it's all about.
0: Just like you, we never want it to sound like a manufactured interview. We always want it to sound like it's people sitting around a table having a good time, sharing pores and the discussions that we all have in person. That's the the funny thing about this whole COVID pandemic uh, lockdown is that we're used to kind of being in person and having those conversations in person. And we're finding new ways to do that. And I think everybody has been super cool in the bourbon community i mean people are finding different ways to reach out and interact with each other i mean there's i get a new challenge request because zeke doesn't look at our instagram but uh, well you don't look at our messages
1: no, that's for you to do.
0: But we get, we get new challenges. Like people challenge us to do push-ups or take a shot and pass it on. Whatever it is, I mean, there's different things that are going on that people are still trying to hang out. What have you guys found that people are trying to do where you are?
2: There's been a proliferation of these kind of online conversations. I've been on a couple in the last week with uh, Karma, one of the groups I'm in, with Zeke. Um, and Brett knows him well as well. It's kind of and Have a sip kind of compare notes and do the same things you would do at a bottle share, but do it through the computer, I guess. It's been kind of fun. Some people that may not have been able to or wanted to attend something like that, like that in person are actually jumping on. So you're getting to know them a little bit better than you would. through are just chatting through a private message or through a uh, you know, conversation in a group. So that's been pretty fun. Like Brett said before, it's, it's all about the people. That, some of the most interesting people I've met have been since I've gone off the deep end here in the whiskey and bourbon world. So, and some of the weirdest people at the same time. So it's always fun to uh, see them in person, even if it's through a computer screen.
3: A couple old school cost and ship groups that are, that are still around that are terrific. And uh, that's one of them. You know, there's a couple others. Those are really great. Those, those really ask you to, to make a, le- a leap of faith. You know, I mean, you're, you're offering stuff. You're giving up profits. You're doing it for for the relationship and for the goodwill, and and that's that makes those groups pretty fun.
0: Well, Whoa.
1: like that's um, I literally told somebody like a day or two ago, like there's layers of online secondary world, however you want to look at it. You know, as you get deeper and get into those cost and ship groups, you see people like literally you think they were a flipper based on what you see in the main groups or the bigger boards, and then you see the stuff they offer up at cost or less or free, and you're like oh. I thought that guy was just straight profits. He, he's actually one of the most generous people, you know, in the game. Probably, unless you're in those extra layers, you don't see or know that about some, you know, a lot of the people. I feel like maybe not a lot, but there's a fair amount.
3: There's a tremendous amount of generosity that goes on in, in the bourbon community. We've all seen it. Some of the charity stuff that goes on is just crazy. And, and a lot of even the people that give anonymously, it's just it's amazing.
0: the stuff that you and luke both do through crusaders and i've got super involved with bourbon charity and just being able to raise money that way um there's awesome things that people are doing and people don't even realize just the stuff that doesn't even need to be said it's all the events that keep coming up and you don't realize how awesome of a tool bourbon can actually be to help other people
3: yeah and they i mean the events are are seldom bad i mean they're always fun they're, they're i mean they're there's bourbon there's great people you know we've had some pretty magical evenings that come out of nowhere it's you know it's they're very memorable people look forward to them and you know as a result a lot of good happens before i forget
1: on the bourbon crusaders note when you say it's a small group is that like height-wise? Because I know Heinz is in there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which, which direction you were going with
3: that. That was well done. Uh, no, numbers. Okay. numbers okay. Less, than, less than 30.
1: I tried to get him out, like always. He says he might show up. If it's after nine, he's already in bed. He 86 this again, so sorry.
0: <laughs> he didn't want to be within six feet of you. <laughs>
3: He's great. That guy's a force of nature. I mean, I'll never forget the night I met him. It was unbelievable. He he was trying to get a ticket to the that will it to be cured event we did a couple years ago. I didn't know him at all. I I never talked to him. I started getting private messages from him. You know, can you get me a ticket for this? Can you get me a ticket for that? And I was like, it's sold out. I I'll do what I can. And I didn't know him. And he kept well. I'd appreciate it. Anything you could do, anything you could do. And, And finally, somebody had canceled about three days before. And I just messaged him. I said, Oh, I got you a ticket. Great. And he showed up, you know, he introduced himself. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Walked away and he stole the show. I mean, he took over the entire room. I feel like he bought everything there. He was buying bottles and before he could even, we could even ring them up. He's ripping the seals off and pouring them out for total strangers. So, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. He, we got him in the group I, like five minutes after that. <laughs> and, he, and he's been, he's been great ever since.
2: I help offset the average hype at six, five. So, you know, we can, uh, we can balance each other out, but yeah, no, he's awesome. I think we should stop talking about him though, because this is too much, too much praise for him at this point. His condo isn't big enough to handle any more, uh, inflation at this point.
0: So he's the official Matt Damon, you know how like Jimmy Kimmel always says, apologies to Matt Damon. We didn't have enough time for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is what my kind is for dad's drinking bourbon.
1: All right, so what's in everybody's glass? Let's uh, let's let's at least have a, a glass check, so to speak. Ooh, Atlas coming in strong.
0: Well, you That's, gotta people can't can't see.
3: Oh, I forget. Well, I'm sorry. It's uh, this is the 16 year Willet that we picked. That was a fun day. I almost missed my flight. We picked a. I think we tried seven or eight different barrels, and we we picked this one and custom bottle and. I wrote some of the copy on this label. It, it's pretty special. This was from the event. There were five charity barrels that the that, uh, Savin family donated. At the time, they were 15, but they all, I think, got bottled at 16. Yeah, I love it.
2: One of my goals during this uh, work stoppage of travel anyway is to kill off some bottles that need to die, just some stuff that's got... You know, the last ounce or two in it that I've been hanging on to it way too long. And uh, I got some Eagle Rare 17 from 2013, which is the first bottle of BTAC I bought at retail. So I'm I'm killing this one off. And unfortunately, I'm guessing this would be the last Eagle Rare 17 I own at retail and that uh, I end up opening. I'm just going to go drink breaths from now on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Zeke, what are you drinking?
1: Currently, I've got uh, Four Roses. Our buddy uh, Alex left here with us. This is an OBSQ, nine-year, nine-month from J.E.
0: Is that one you're going to share with me or no?
1: We would have shared it with you if you'd have shared yourself with us when he was in town.
0: Well, I was on quarantine. Just you got saying. Your story, I got mine, buds. Oh, no flippers. Brett oh, It's going back to that OWA, hey, no God, flippers. Um, yeah, that
3: what did that take third that year that you guys did those? <laughs> he's, he's still
0: bitter about that.
3: <laughs> it, it, it's funny, and, and
1: uh, I think we can we can loop that in in the conversation later uh, on some blinds and whatnot. Honestly, I, I think that'll tie in well.
0: I'm drinking 2019 George C. Stag because Zeke wanted me to drink something good.
1: I didn't persuade you.
0: I want to go back to how you say there's the annals of the secondary world. And let's just talk about how Brett is like the king of posting stuff that he's already had a sip of and then just oh, okay. be like, Hey, let me sell this off now.
1: I've it works. I've purchased from you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Yeah. I got a, uh, I know I got a Mictor's toasted uh, rye from you. Maybe something else.
3: You know what? If you like it, that was, I mean, I keep them in good
1: shape. No, no. I messaged. you. I laughed. I'm like, clearly you didn't like it. I did. There's not even an ounce going out of this. I feel good here.
3: You know what? It's a good, it's a good option. If you can take good care of it and somebody likes it and they want to drink it, it works. I'm
0: a hundred percent on that. For some of those things, when you take a sip and you're like, this is not my jam, but somebody else might like it. There's a lot of good options there to actually get that out. And that's a part of secondary. I mean, I brought up at first to give you shit, but the,
1: plus it's the yeah. easiest way to post a review without saying any words.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> True this story. Too.
1: To right about this in bourbon and banter, but I did see him put the bottle on.
3: Yeah, I now that's that a even, good, se- good segue to this one. Let's talk about this because this got you guys hated this, right?
0: You're talking about the the Parker's Heritage Rye, and right. we didn't say we hated it. We just said that we like. The Cornerstone a little bit more. I think the price of the Parkers was higher than the Wild Turkey Cornerstone.
1: You guys had it in the blind with some other stuff. And I guess I'll put like as a preface to that, we haven't had it in the blind, which is probably our own fault, but having it just on its own, at least for me, I definitely thought it just came up short. It could have been just all the hype that Heaven Hill put around it. And, you know, the alligator char and this and that, like showing pictures of these just cooked barrels and it just didn't have that kind of depth to it to me at all i mean it could have been the build-up we all know that that exists and that's the purpose of the blind but you know having it raw so to speak it it just didn't hit hard enough to
2: amount to what i thought was going to be coming
3: could also be the bottle had been open for a while, right, Luke? I mean, you'd opened it a while ago.
2: Yeah, I forget when that got released. Was that like fall last year or late summer? I forget when that came out, but I cracked it shortly thereafter. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I thought it was better than Cornerstone or not at the time, but kind of set it aside. And uh, I was making a business trip through Omaha.
3: It wasn't like it was right before the lockdown.
2: Yeah, right before the lockdown. I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? I'll bring. Three bourbons and three ryes blind in, a, uh, in sample bottles. You pour some off as well and set them there and we'll go through and taste them. And I t- retried it recently and I was like, wow, this, this is not what I remember tasting the first time. So I, I threw it in there because a lot of people either hated it or I think Zeke probably put it the better way. It's hate's not the right word, but it didn't live up to the hype. And I think part of it is with Parker, you have this kind of reverence towards it in terms of some of the best whiskeys I've ever had were some of the early Parker's releases. I mean, they they just had some grand slam home runs early on. And recently, the last three or four just haven't been there. The curacao I, I thought was terrible. It's just not my flavor style at all. I think there's just been kind of a – they've been on a downswing, I guess, is the way to put it, lately. And so going back and giving it another try just completely changed my mind on it.
3: After that night, I ran out and got a couple of these and. When I first opened it, it it was different than than when I had tried it in the blind. I mean, the finish the finish was a little more, I guess, is harsh, but not in a bad way. It was it was, you know, you, you tasted a lot of that char, and it I, it was less. I don't know, it was less enjoyable. But but as I worked through the bottle a little bit, it's it's gotten better and better. I mean, it's closer to what I remember it as.
1: You must have a better shopping situation there uh, than we do here in Nashville. If you can just you know, run out and grab a couple.
3: Well, I didn't get them at the store.
1: <laughs> I felt like the upfront of it was, you know, sweet and nice, and then it just disappeared. And, you know, like you mentioned at the finish, that's where I really thought that char would would shine through and, and give a lingering flavor. And just, at least when we tried it, just never got it. That's why I was like, ah. Did you ever uh, go 50-50 with the Cornerstone and the PHC? Mm. Uh-uh. John and I, you know, we don't agree too much. But those two 50-50, because when we tried them, we were both like, all right, hold on. One has a front, one has a back. All right. I thought it definitely was better than either
2: one. Brett, I don't think you were with on uh, Bourbon and Banter did a trip to Kentucky a couple of years ago. It had to been two thousand. Early 2018, we picked some barrels. It was right after the Al Young 50th came out and that year, small batch limited edition. And we're sitting in the tasting room there. Um, Dan Gardner was kind of walking us through the tasting. I had just written a review for Al Young. I was, I love Al Young as a person. I lo- he's just a, an amazing person, but I didn't love that release. It's just, it, how did you little- not
0: love Al Young? I didn't
3: either. I was disappointed.
2: I just didn't think it was like spectacular. People love it. Um, it just wasn't my favorite Four Roses, and I'm a huge Four Roses guy. I have way more Four Roses than my wife prefers to have in my house right now. Trust me, I have I have that conversation about once a quarter about uh, what's going on there. So anyway, um, we got done. We walked through this tasting, took the Al Young and the Small Batch Limited Edition. Same thing you did, Zeke. Boom, put them together, and it was magic. It took the, the parts of the Al Young I didn't like, got covered up by the magic of the 2017 release, And I suggested Dan Gardner try it. And uh, he was in agreement. We said, don't tell anybody. We're just going to be making our own private blends now.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing about Al Young for me and Zeke and I both talked about this. The thing that I liked about it is more that it just changed every 15 minutes. I was like, I'm getting this right now. And then I'm getting this something. There are parts of this that I completely love, but I just loved how much it changed.
1: I mean, it took a good hour for me in the glass to when i thought like all right now i'm finally getting it. like that's one of the um the only release like distillery release i've ever gone to you know got up early had a work meeting picked up a guy from the boards in bowling green like we would never met i was like all right you know i'll pick you up we'll ride up together so we're shooting the shit get up there hang out go to the lease you know get back home sitting out on the deck like pouring the glass and like sipping a little bit sipping a little bit and, like well not getting too much here so you know that's it goof off do whatever you know you got a phone you can waste time easily an hour in i'm just like this is really just a boo of flavor that's all over the place uh, but it, it took that long because it's literally up to that i'm like oh i not doing these releases anymore. This is a waste of my damn day.
0: We're making Luke drink it again. He just went and pulled it from the cabinet.
3: See, when you can crack the 19 small batch and it's incredible from the first sip, who has the kind of time to wait an hour to hope something gets better? The 19 was when freaking amazing.
1: Running around downstairs, that upstairs roof deck
2: looks good. now <laughs> <laughs> oh, give this another
3: try. How,
0: Drake. how good was that 19? That's all I want to know. It's That's, amazing.
3: It's that the 17 was good too. That 19, man, that is spectacular.
1: Yeah, I just went <laughs> when he got in a bottle. Somehow he missed out. I don't know.
3: I got a bottle. Gonna, so, anyone chasing the older MGP, man, this seven year, this 21 Kings pick is there was a seven year, what was the other one? There was an older one know, right that right here. Yeah, this kills that.
2: I don't know if it kills. But it's spectacular for its for what it is. I mean, it's if you drink them side by side, uh, to me, what's interesting is just seeing it's the same mash built, same mGP style and seeing, you know, and smoke wagon, I think does a really interesting thing where they don't rotate the barrels. So just kind of seeing what age does directly to those barrels so that extra four years, It's seven years, 11 months. It's like a couple weeks shy of eight years old when you're drinking. I think it's got a ton of rye spice on it. It's like young and lively. It just kind of pops in your mouth. And I think the 12-year has just, to me, it's just the quintessential 12-year-old MGP. It's mellow. It's got a long finish. And I think it's really fun trying those side by side and just seeing what that four years in a barrel does to the same distillate, basically.
3: You drink a seven-year bourbon, right? And it's this good. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard for me to accept when people say, "Oh, wait till it gets older about something." Oh, <laughs> give it a couple more years. It's it's not ready yet. I hear that, and I taste this, and I go, "I don't. I don't need to wait anymore for that."
0: Well, I'll well, say that I'll at wait. two years, but I'm not going to say that at seven years. If a if a bourbon is good no. at seven years, it's good at seven years.
3: But outside
1: of age, we won't go in the rabbit hole. Just a simple yes or no. Do you think MGP has changed from what it was? And by was, I would mean like. The original smooth ambler picks and you know blends and whatnot compared to what's coming out now.
3: Now Zeke and I had this conversation once. The answer is maybe. Well, I mean this like this is MGP right, and it's as good as anything that I've had from the older stuff. Yeah. So generally speaking, maybe it's changed. I mean, I I've heard they've changed some things over the past few years. I mean, I wrote an article about it. I've tried to kind of figure out what's why there's such a premium on the older stuff. Myself, I, I think a good bottle of MGP is a good bottle of MGP, whether I got it five years ago or today.
0: The funny thing is, is you know, I know Luke was saying how how the hell are you guys gonna follow Greg Metz? But the conversation I had last week with Greg put out in a podcast, I mean, that run that Zeke talks about, the smooth ambler, the Bell Mead the Blom, everything that everybody was going for that September to November of 2006. It wasn't even LDI. It wasn't even MGP. It was still print over car. It's not MGP.
1: I mean, I'm just saying without even tasting it, there's a smell that comes off of those earlier runs that just nothing about it resonates with even some of the older current stuff. I mean, I remember like literally when John and I first started doing this, we got in like Provs. 12 year boon pick. And we popped it together, you know, here at the house. And literally as soon as the court came out, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I remember from the original smooth ambler picks. Like it, it was unique without describing it. It, it. it was just amazing. It had its own smell that stuff now just doesn't get there. Even some like the backbone Other people that have, you know, 10 or, 10 or 11 year juice now, it doesn't give off anything about the, I guess, same presence to me.
3: See, we used to do, when I was in Karma a long time ago, we had a lot of that smooth ambler picks where they were going, everyone, everyone was trading them around for, I mean, they were all over. And I remember trying a bunch of them and they were hit or miss. I mean, some of them were fantastic and some of them from that era were just weren't that good. So Maybe in my mind, it was always, you know, it was a crapshoot, kind of like some of the source willet ones. I mean, some are incredible, right? And some of them are average. They're all good, but unless you taste them, you don't know what you like.
2: Oh, well, you know, some are brown Foreman and some are Heaven Hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the early, uh, the early smooth ambler stuff is pretty feaster famine. It's either just meh at best or just average to. You know, the, the really good ones are spectacular, and I, I don't think that's changed at all with MGP. It's like, you know, they they make some great stuff. They, they've they been making great whiskey for many, many decades. When you get the good one, you know it. To your point, Zeke, about you pull that cork or, you, you know, you pop that barrel, and you're like, yep, that's that's the MGP I love. If that doesn't hit you right away, then move on, I think. It's yeah. instantaneous almost. As soon as you smell it, you know, like, yep,
1: that's going to be a good one. Uh... I'll move ahead.
0: So thinking about that, I mean, not just to have a conversation about MGP, but you guys are very close to it. What gets you excited about whiskey besides the relationships?
3: Well, it's all changing now. Um, one of the things that I've gotten most excited about, I'll show you. The, the, uh, I went to meet a friend of mine. His name's Bert Burt Brown. Kansas City was in town. And I went over to meet him. And uh, great guys, by the way. And he poured this for me. This is uh, Evan Williams, 23 year. And I'd never had it. I, you know, Evan Williams, I've tried in the past. It didn't, never did anything for me. I've seen this at the gift shop in the past. And I, I said, oh, that's nice. He said, here, you got to try this. I was like, okay, fine. And it blew me away. I mean, a 23 year, 100 what is it? 107 proof. And it's amazing. I mean, amazing. And so this is, then he told me, okay, well, don't tell anyone about this. Now I can. Me yeah. otherwise, Because the pre-fire stuff has gone now. I and mean, last year was the last year. So um, I got enough of these now where I, I'm happy to talk <laughs> about it. But, but I mean, like that, like when I see what people pay for Pappy and then this was, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but $350 at the gift shop for all of last year. This is one of the best things I've had. Anyone who comes over here wants this. And I, that gets me excited when I discover something like that that I've never even heard of.
1: On the question of pre-fire, and I know John's answer, so I'll leave this with you two. Well,
3: What changes?
1: It, is there truly a difference in pre-fire versus
3: post? I'll let you know when I try the when I try this post-fire. But because we've had barrels, Luke, we've done a million picks at Heaven Hill. I mean, some of those Elijah Craig, the Deetsville picks, obviously, some of those great ones are they're unbelievable. So. I don't know what they would have tasted like pre-fire, but you can get some great barrels there. Now they have stuff there that we wouldn't take at all, but the Elijah Craig's, I think they do a great job there. You know, I've never picked an Evan Williams barrel, so I couldn't tell you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can answer both questions. I mean, to me, what I get excited about lately, last call, year and a half, two years, I've just been on a huge dusty kick. I want to try everything that was made a long time ago, whether it's pre-fire or pre-World War II or even uh, (laughs) pre-prohibition. I've been fortunate to find a bunch of stuff. I've spent more time than is healthy uh, rummaging through old people's basements all over southern Minnesota, and I've, uh, I've I've done well. I'm too cheap to go pay full secondary for it, so I guess I got to uh, dig through some musty basements, but I found almost an entire set of Old Crow Chessmen. Brett's had a few of, so I, I've had good, good luck with it, and I found some pretty spectacular whiskey, but to the point about the pre-fire, I, I think there is a difference. I've tried a ton of Elijah Craig. I'm a big fan at the crusaders event in November. We did that, uh, the 15 year 107 proof virgin bourbon. That was the export. I think the secondary on that stuff is like $300, which is insanely cheap for how good that is. That was, in my opinion, we had a table full of home runs and that was amongst the best things we drank that night.
0: Well, I just like to poke fun at Zeke and I like to rile him up because I I say the still is the same. Most of the things are the same, but there are so many variables. I'm taking a step back because we actually have people here that mean a damn. I'm going to, I'm going to actually tell the truth for once. There is a big difference because like the way the Ricks were before the fire, it's now different. There's so many variables that go along besides the still
3: the other thing that I think that doesn't get enough attention is the age of the trees that are used for the barrels. Yep. I think over time, mm-hmm. they're not using trees that are nearly as old as they used to be. And I think that makes a humongous, I think the the aging process is where all the flavor comes from. And I, I don't think the barrels are the same as they used to be.
0: No, hey, and I think just, that's across the board. That's not just at Heaven Hill. That's everywhere.
2: Right. 100%. Can we go ahead and make a declaration for the entire bourbon world tonight? I mean, if we're going to do something important, let's do it. You see this occasionally on the boards, and I don't want to make fun of people that are newer to the hobby. I want to encourage people to, to come in and learn and have fun with it. But you see somebody occasionally that posts a bottle on the secondary market of like something from like 2012, and they call it Dusty. The last year... to be called a Dusty should be 1992. And there's some important things that happened that year. One, Stitzel Weller disappeared. That's a big one. Wild Turkey changed the barrel entry proof. National Distillers was bought by Jim Beam. So there are a bunch of very important changes in 1992 that impacted the flavors of all these different whiskeys. Um, And then you have the fire in 1996. So that was close enough where it can tie into it. So if you're going to call something Dusty today, I think it has to be 1992, and we're only two years away from it being 30 years old since it was bottled. Can I get a uh, an amen or a hear, here from you guys? And let's call it 1992. I
1: didn't feel bad for anybody born that year. Whiskey went to shit.
0: Congratulations, you were born. Whiskey now <laughs> sucks.
2: So you were born in '92. Perfect. I mean, no. this world. If there's ever a sign that that's the time, that's oh, it. '82. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. All right.
0: You're making a compelling case, Brett. Do you agree? I mean, you graduated no, law school. No, but that's all right. <laughs> so, counselor, give me your counter argument.
3: I understand exactly what he's saying. I, I I think that you kind of have to start when people started really getting into bourbon. I think because you had a glut until then, really. So I would extend it a few years. I mean, I think '96, '97. I I think that stuff is pretty good. I do think it's that if good, you look but at it, is it dusty? uh i mean some of the weller stuff i think you could argue are i mean i've had some late 90s weller that's pretty tasty versus today well
0: no but it's tasty but does it have enough dust on it
3: the the turkey stuff turned after about 94 i think it changed after about 94
1: i'd always heard that i think it was 97 i'll check when i'm back home but after we did our uh jd pick we were drinking later that night and a guy cracked a 97 uh split label you know 12 year and literally like it was good i was surprised how good it was and so was the whole room we passed the ball around around 10 people were like i would actually probably put this on the cgf level like it, it was there and i always heard mixed reviews on splits just you know, i'm sure it's you know various batches and blends and obviously nature's involved there but the one the guy
3: cracked it was good jesus Dollar for dollar, the best one there is, is that National Distillers, old granddad 114s. I think yeah, you're not going to beat that for the money. You know, it's funny. I had this conversation literally yesterday with somebody who was asking me if the stuff that's out today will be considered dusty in 20 years. And I was like, no, it's a good conversation. I don't know what the answer would be.
0: Brett, I poured one just for you right now.
3: Hey, that's funny. I got one of those, too. This one's different.
0: <laughs> I'm this pouring one. a Dietzville Bourbon Crusaders 11-year-old. I know but there's yeah, one that you said is better than the others. No, no,
3: that's a the, That one right there is a really good one. That's There was the original one, which is before I got in the group. Uh, there were two picks. There was one from Bardstown and one from, one from Deetsville. And I think originally the Bardstown was the favorite, and that turned fast. And so – Dietzville blew up, and then that one came out, and there was a 10-year with that. I like the one that you have right there a lot. And there's a new one coming, too, uh, any day now, whenever this thing gets cleared up. So. Well, we'll hopefully, Zeke one. and I can better,
0: each find a bottle that fell off the truck.
3: Yeah, we'll get you one.
1: Yeah, by ya, yeah, he means me. Sorry, John. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Asshole.
3: I was gonna send you guys another um, the Jacks OWA, but you guys, you don't need this because there's the it finished third, so you got some enough of the first two. Well,
1: apparently Edwards Bogart and had two of them. I thought it yeah. was one.
3: I was impressed that
0: you pulled
1: that out. Hey, he has never revealed that to me, which speaks a lot for this relationship right now.
0: Well, you don't reveal a lot to me. <laughs>
3: I do, it's just after the
0: fact. Yeah, so this is after the fact. The fact that I have a second one is after the fact.
3: <laughs> what do you th- do you like these these Elijah Craigs? Some of them are really. I know they're low proof, but man, they're good. No, and and somebody was
0: talking about that. I it's funny. I put it in the Dad Drinking Bourbon group today.
3: I said, "What's an
0: unpopular opinion that you hold to be true?" Somebody was saying that bourbon doesn't always have to be high proof, and I think there's a lot of people right now that chase a higher proof. There's some great bourbon that is 90 proof or 94 proof, like an Elijah Craig.
3: What's the, the Chessman's what? 86?
0: Yeah. 86. And I mean, those old Taylor National Distillers, those are great whiskeys and they're in the 80s.
2: That was one of my first dusties, was the 1992 National Distillers. The six-year 86 proof brought it to a buddy's place. We drank some Pappy and a bunch of other random stuff, and that one kind of stole the show. And it was about two, maybe two, two and a half years ago, and it brought me down the uh, very dangerous, slippery path of wanting to try every other Dusty uh, that was ever made at that point. So that, w- that was my my first of many. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: He's showing an old wild turkey.
2: Old turkey back when it was probably the old entry proof different game
1: but i mean at least for me my favorite it's still a a cheap bottle when you see it i don't see them much the old dance when they were pre-fire ball and bond hundred proof like i mean i've got a plastic bottle of that and it's literally one of my favorite pours like uh, it it just captures everything i love out of pre-fire
2: and it's just where my jam is used to be able to find those in the secondary for like the, the 1.75s were like 150 bucks and the, the plastic was like disformed and disfigured.
1: on It, <laughs> it was like somebody like a fat person just squashed it. I mean, it was completely warped.
0: So it's like, yeah, I squashed under it. Under
1: couch. I was being nice, John. Thank you.
0: It's not often.
1: I know. That's your <laughs> one for the night.
3: That's a good topic. What are your unpopular opinions?
0: You like ETL.
3: Don't, don't keep punting here. You posted this question. I'm just saying. I like Elmer. Elmer won a blind tasting we did here over a bunch of other... I mean, it's you like it or you don't, but it's it's you can't argue it's not good. Well, it's all about what you put
1: it with, too. I had a Japanese whiskey, a scotch, and something else.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean,
3: I don't know. That's setting, I, it, that's setting it up for success right there.
0: I'm sure I... I can't think of one off the top of my head.
3: I don't think this is very
2: controversial or unpopular amongst uh, whiskey nerds like us, but most special releases these days aren't that special.
0: That's a fair point. I mean, if I was going to go to something, I would say Pappy is overrated. Pappy's never done anything for me. I like him.
1: (laughs) I think it's mostly older stuff. Or um, if you randomly catch one of the single barrels that... uh, you know julian's able to sneak out the side door and you happen to know somebody that gets one of those like that's some good juice Mm -hmm. Uh, a guy brought one of those last year to mike's birthday and we all were like ah you know this is going to be you know just you know hype yada yada this is a julian picked 15 year single barrel etc like it's still buffalo trace juice whatever and then like literally everybody at the table was like a slow rumble like All right, who's going to be the first one? But like, this is good. (laughs) This is really good. It was not like a rock glass. Who even knows it, but just the flavor. I mean, it it really was legit. And we're all like, all right, clearly they have some good juice. They just don't share it very much.
2: Well, and you're making it for the masses in terms of proof and batching, you're going to take all that nuance out.
3: I'll give you one. McKenna's terrible.
0: When it comes to those awards, especially McKenna's a single barrel, and you're submitting the best single barrel you can. I mean, Zeke and I have won awards. That enough should show you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that. You guys deserve yours. (laughs) No, I'm just saying that when it comes to it at the end of the day,
3: yeah,
0: this one's not going to help you. <laughs> oh, it's great. But pay the money to submit the whiskey for the award. You're going to win something at that point. And then McKenna is a single barrel. They're submitting the best single barrel that they possibly can. It doesn't mean that every single McKenna is going to be that good. Yep. Like I like E.H. Taylor small batch more than I like the E.H. Taylor single barrel.
1: All day. To your question, our buddy Paul, he's the only one I think really comprehended and, and replied intelligently about it, saying simply that you can't have the notion every pick is better than the normal shelf offering. At least probably half the time, they might be turds compared to it. Mm-hmm. I would actually agree with that more times than I would disagree. And my reply to some, somebody that you know said, well, what do you mean? I said, look at the foolproof. The only shelf offering they put out compared to the 12 or so picks I've had, it beat easily. I mean, it wasn't even a question in my mind. Mm-hmm. So you go to that point, it's like, all right, well, maybe there's a reason they small batch after all. Link back to Four Roses, yellow label even. They're just dumping random blends in ages, and it's still a good product, and Lord knows what it would be a cash drink. I mean, sheesh.
3: They're dumping some pretty old barrels in there sometimes too <laughs> Oh, max profits lost <laughs> and they had like 17 18 we know that i mean 16 17 18 year old barrels being dumped in the yellow label
2: yeah i just had a call today with a client and typical whiskey drinker not a nerd like us just has a pour when he comes home but doesn't really spend time he doesn't follow the blogs or unfortunately for you all listen to podcasts but he's like you know <laughs> What should I be drinking? And my first response nine times out of 10 is buy a bottle of four rows of small batch. There's a blend of six recipes in there. It's got a little proof. It's got some nuance to it. And for 40 bucks, it's pretty hard to beat.
0: We've been going for a very long time. I just have to ask you before we end this, have you watched Tiger King on Netflix or no?
3: Not yet. I just read about it the other day, though. I just finished. We just finished hunters. I ran through that whole series. That was good. What's
0: the number one thing you guys think people should be watching while you're stuck in the house?
3: Curb Your
2: Enthusiasm.
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: That's tough. to That's a tough answer to follow up because that's spectacular.
0: Best episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm ever? Palestinian chicken.
3: I like Crazy Eyes Killer myself. Or uh,
0: vehicular, you know, that's a great one too.
2: I don't remember the name of the episode where he um, hired help to uh, get into the carpool lane to get to the baseball game. <laughs> that was one of my
3: all-time favorites. I love that show. This is a good season, too. It is.
0: It has been very, very
3: good. Zeke.
0: Anything, Zeke?
3: I've never watched a
1: single episode of anything? <laughs>
0: but what are you watching while you're stuck in the house?
1: I really like Curse of Oak Island a lot. Black Monday just started back up. Uh, and other than that, I mean honestly, i I just try and catch up on shit, I don't know. I let SportsCenter play in the background.
0: There's no sports about, what, right what now. Sports what the hell are you watching? Yeah, what it? I haven't watched well, it, well, it
1: was, I like it. background noise. I, I don't like quietness. It's a weird thing. I was actually going to ask you to at least to explain the, the blind for the PHC1 because I still want to hear and let people know what, what y'all claimed it beat out.
3: All right. Well, there's no. There was no claiming. I, I have it. Uh- well, Rihanna and I
1: both just had pours of the Cornerstone rye, which – we both said we thought best at it
3: handily. I, the first time I had the cornerstone, the first couple of times, I thought it was good. I liked it. Um, I liked it more when it was – You know, it was originally, I was told by a very reliable source that you both know, that it was originally supposed to be the return of the Christmas rye, which I was pretty excited about. And that whole thing got blown up. And I think the cornerstone was good. I think when you put it against a bunch of other things, it doesn't have – it just doesn't have the power to – it, it fades. I mean, it, it doesn't stand out. It's it's not bad. Let me just, out you want me to go through what we what we tasted? Yeah, go ahead. Luke came over. The rules were we each did three bourbon, three rye from our own collection. No crap allowed. We know what that means. No whammies. So, right. And so we didn't, so all you knew were it was three bourbon and three rye. So bourbons were the Taylor Amaranth, 2013 Stag, which which won another blind, the legendary blind tasting a few years ago. 68 uh, Old Forester 86 Proof. Those were the three bourbon. And then the rise that I poured Bovix, uh, Whistle Pig 13 year, the Pig Casserole. It was an MGP. I think he blended two barrels together, a 2015 Van Winkle rye, and the Cornerstone. So that was what I poured from Luke. In that grouping, the Amaranth did pretty good, which I was surprised. The the, the 13 stag did really good, which I'm not surprised. And the cornerstone, he did not like. That was the the worst of the six. I mean, we knew the the bourbons and ryes. We
2: weren't blind on that. I did not like it. And I, the first two or three times I tried cornerstone, I liked it. But when it was poured in that lineup and, um, in that setting, it just, it felt completely flat to me and it just, I didn't like it. And I love turkey. I'm a huge dusty turkey guy and the Russell's Reserve Rye, um, especially the uh, the picks from what, three, four years ago, mm-hmm. are some of the biggest sleepers out there in my opinion. So I I was shocked to find out that's what that was.
3: So Luke's side, the Bourbons were Blanton straight from the barrel, which is 138 proof, the 15 stag, Booker's 30th. Those were the three bourbons. And then the ryes were Jimmy Mize. It was an MGP, right? Was it a a Blom? I don't don't know what. Yeah, it's a Blom Brothers El Magico. The Parker's Heavy Char Rye. And then uh, a 16 Handy. But what we figured out was, and I learned this a couple years ago, Handy's my favorite rye. When you get to about a quarter left in the bottle, it's toast. I mean, if you don't finish it, it goes bad, bad. And this was... I mean, I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was so bad.
1: I'll at least touch on it because it's not as high as it was on secondary, but the uh, the Amaranth, what, what notes do you have or what do you remember? Like, I remember this random note that I got from it when I tasted it, and it, it's off the wall, but I'll let you all go first.
2: So the first time I had it was actually at Heinz Place there in uh, in Nashville, And I had a really tiny sample. I think we had had, I don't know, 11 Willets already at that point. So my yeah probably wasn't the perfect setting for it where I'd been set up poorly. But I remember drinking it. He poured it in my glass, didn't tell me anything, said, what do you think? And I go, this isn't good. And he goes, that's the Amaranth. And I was like, good, now I don't have to chase it. I watched it go to, what, $900 on the secondary. And I laughed at people. And then when Brett poured it a few weeks ago... It caught me off guard completely. I was like, "Wow, this is interesting." It had a um, a weird, like, Dr. Pepperish flavor to it that I, I I just had not gotten in something in a while, so I had to eat my words on that one and uh, go back and say that I actually liked it.
3: I didn't like it. I thought it was I, I thought it was thin. I thought it was off. I I went back and had the four grain, the season wood. I mean, to me, it wasn't even close.
1: At least for me, when I had it, it was thin, but it had this like. Weird, great jelly flavor to it. I mean, it, it was a, a different fruit kind of aspect that I've ever had. And everybody in the room was kind of the same page, and it was just weird. We're like, I don't know. Like, it it doesn't taste like bourbon. No, it necessarily tastes bad. It's,
3: pig, it's pigweed.
1: But if you tell somebody you're drinking bourbon and you pour them that inherently, they're just not gonna like it. You know, like it just doesn't match any profile you would expect for. A-
2: I'm not going to go chase a bottle. I'm certainly not going to go pay. I don't even know what the second is on it now, but it was, it was interesting to try it later again, the second time blind and have a very different opinion on it. And a pretty crazy lineup of, of good stuff. Cause like I said, we, we agreed that we weren't going to do any whammies as threats out there uncovering, you know, stories about Hirsch Goldwax back in the day I'm writing lusty claw reviews. So to, uh, you know.
0: Dude, can I just say, How much of a disappointment the bottle of Lusty Claw is one of my favorite bottles that is out there, and then you actually drink it, and you're like, man.
3: Why don't you just empty one out and pour something good into it?
0: That's that's what you should do. You should treat it like a decanter.
1: Any other standouts from this blind you guys did, other than at least John and I still aren't sure how the PhD won.
2: (laughs) Me and Brett and I talked about it that night. Blinding is so interesting because you're going to embarrass yourself and you're going to say something really stupid because you're going to have an opinion on something that 100% contradicts something you already said publicly before.
0: 100%.
2: And the four of us have all drank our fair share of whiskey. We're pretty experienced dudes. You're going to drink it and you're going to say, this is for sure X. And then you're going to find out what it really was and you're going to look silly. And to me, that's just the best part of it. You, you, you're you going to learn, you're going to try something interesting. And to me, that's the best way to do it.
0: That's why a lot of people don't drink blind. And the funny thing is, is that Zeke and I record it half the time. I mean, I remember a blind we did a couple of weeks ago and there was a will at family estate that you know I ranked third out of four. And the fourth was a bottle of four roses that we both really liked the first time we had it there are things that show up in different places depending on the blind that you have and depending on the other whiskeys that are there i think it's all a way to learn your palate and learn what you like and what you don't like and gotta do it blind
1: That's kind of why I laugh so the uh this most recent pour i've got was the uh the rare bird i got that pick from last year they eight one oh one. i still think they've killed it with this pick like it's a great pick barrel i mean i i have you ever tried that with the with the two thousand two? Not together, and uh, based on the current status of this bottle, it's not going to be possible. <laughs> <laughs> but same scenario, John and I both had it had it independently. Could care less, literally, of you know how much we loved it or didn't. Both thought, man, this is a really outstanding turkey pick. And then a buddy of ours, Brian, sent us a blind, and admittedly, he he likes to trip us up more than most. I know I ranked it third. I think you were third or fourth.
0: I, I, I think I was second with it. Maybe.
1: Okay. But I mean, either way, neither one of us in the blind thought it was as standout as we, we did, you know, alone. And again, it's just he and I drinking like it's not recorded. Nobody's ever going to know. It's just he and I like, what do you think? Like, man, it's phenomenal. <laughs> but then, you know, the blind shows up. And like, and Well, oh, interesting. The sticker adds a lot. <laughs> I mean, they do. And my only note about stickers that I'll always say is.
0: Unless they're hologram, they ain't shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> John's words, not mine. And I made it, but, but no, like, stickers make everything relatable. Like, Hey, did you have Jojo's Weller? I don't know who Jojo is. I don't care. What was the sticker? Oh, it was oh. a camel on it. Okay, yeah, I tasted that one. I know what it was. Like it just makes everything more relatable and memorable. And at least to that degree, I will always support stickers as long as they're unique. That's fair.
0: I don't know, guys. We've been talking for a long time. It's probably time we let you go to bed. Let's do this again. It's been awesome to have you on, Luke, Brett. Thank you so much. That's been fun. Thank
1: you. Hey, final question. So, in all this mess, What has been your biggest disappointment that you could not find when you got to the grocery?
0: Frozen vegetables.
1: Like, you go to the grocery now. I mean, obviously toilet paper and other stuff's picked over.
0: No, I got that stuff. Frozen vegetables is is key.
2: What you really wanted.
0: Rye bread? That pissed me off.
2: There you go. Chicken tenders. My kids eat them all the time, and we got an air fryer, and uh, it's kind of the easy go-to when they won't eat anything else. And, um, well, I went to grab some the other day, and there was nothing on the shelf, no chicken tenders. So and I guess that's a uh, cop-out answer, but I'll go with that. Luke, you, you can
1: do that on your own. The key is you have one hand that sticks to the wet part of the process of battering and one hand that sticks to the dry part. Don't Don't switch them.
2: I cook. I got a big green egg and I love to barbecue. So, uh, but my kids won't eat that stuff. So uh, I'm kind of, I'm fine for me, but I, the fights of feeding my kids are, uh, are bigger. So anything I can do to make this part easier is good
0: for everybody. All right. So Brett, Luke, where can the folks find you
3: at Brett Atlas? Pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, bourbon banter. We write, we show up, we have fun.
0: Luke concurs.
3: The damn Minnesota weather. He's frozen.
0: Yeah. He is frozen right now. Literally, <laughs> he really is. You can find us on Facebook at Dad Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad Drinking Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcasts. Zeke, where else can the folks find us?
1: I just want to say cheers to both these guys, Bourbon and Banner, from the first places we got into. We're looking at reviews and like honestly inspired us to do where we are now. So thank you both. uh for all that you've done and uh for a wonderful friendship.
3: No, thanks for having us and thanks for everything you guys do. It's fun. Thank you both. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you both. Cheers.
0: Cheers you too.
3: Zeke, where else
0: can the folks find us?
1: Nashville, Tennessee. Hopefully this quarantine shit ends soon. Thank you. Ciao.